What is restorative justice and what are restorative practices and why should you consider using them in your classroom? Many schools are adapting restorative justice and restorative practices in schools. And the idea behind restorative practices and restorative justice is to prevent classroom management issues and to resolve conflicts and problems without sending students to detention, suspension, uh, or excess office removals. This is such a wide range of um, an expansive topic that I'm going to try to narrow it down as much as possible within a short period of time, which is not easy. So let's say that you have a high number of suspensions in a school. Uh, the first thing you want to do is you want to look at the reason for those suspensions, of course and to try to reduce those suspensions. So the idea behind restorative justice, and, and um, which, which has, is deeply rooted in indigenous cultures and later in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada to try to prevent um, prisoners from going to prison um, or to think about ways to integrate those prisoners in society the same concepts are used in schools in a different way to keep students in healthy relationships and to reduce incidents in, in schools. And now the same ideas or concepts are being used to prevent incidents in the classroom and to create harmony in the classroom. Now that's a lot to take in. So let's just think for a minute. Traditional discipline means that a student, when a student acts out, there's usually a, a ladder of discipline. The ladder of discipline usually, typically, is that the first warning involves um, maybe a verbal warning or maybe a reprimand. And then the second warning usually involves a consequence. The consequence could be taking something away or calling home or uh, not giving a student a privilege or perhaps um, in some schools, isolating the student, taking them out of the classroom, or giving them a timeout, which is illegal in many schools, but let's just say, for example, that is a consequence. So that is traditional discipline. And traditional discipline also swings to the negative sometimes um, when teachers maybe yell at a student, raise their voice, or um, maybe embarrass a student. Um, they don't intentionally set out to do that. But traditional discipline is associated with a lot of um, with, with punishment and exclusion. And this is the way um, that many of us in, in my generation were um, disciplined. Uh, not always. Sometimes discipline might involve... Uh, giving the whole class an extra assignment or taking away a privilege from a whole class or an individual or even sending them to a counselor. So it's not always negative, but traditional discipline is following that ladder of discipline without thinking about uh, prevention intentionally. Prevention methods are probably integrated into traditional discipline, but the overemphasis is on following the ladder of discipline. So what is the opposite of that? Preventative discipline methods started to come around in the 90s and maybe even before in a small way by building in uh, 
maybe incentives uh, for students, um, praising students for good behavior, giving students privileges, points, um, parties, uh, class rewards, and or uh, just changing things in the classroom environment, such as seating or putting in healthy routines and rituals, etc. But restorative discipline is taking it one step further. Restorative discipline and restorative classroom management is thinking of ways that predict the pitfalls and problems in the classroom and building in ways for students to um, to resolve conflicts when conflicts arise, um, rather than sending them to a conflict mediation program, but intentionally building in relationship building experiences in the classroom and teaching of social skills within the classroom, also working one-to-one -one with restorative conversations when students um, go out of line and they do not follow rules, or they are um, have problems with um, follow with self-regulation. So that's restorative discipline in a nutshell. But there are so many nuances of it. And teachers, although they should be trained in restorative classroom management, um, often a school either adopts um, a restorative program, or teachers are sent to restorative. Um, justice training or restorative justice is, is um, done in the school in a pullout fashion where two students who are in a conflict will have a sort of a conflict mediation. Um, there may be a conflict mediation program or there may be conflict mediation circles so that students can resolve conflict in a restorative justice circle. Now the next level of that is preventing conflicts before they start in a restorative justice team building um, manner and relationship building experience um, before discipline problems start. So in elementary level, teachers may engage in what's called um, res responsive teaching. And responsive teaching is a whole program where in morning meetings, there's there's relationship building, there's icebreakers, there's uh, students develop rules together, and the teacher teaches in a facilitative manner the, so that relationships are built before conflicts start. Responsive teaching also is in the approach, um, in the instruction itself, making instruction more um, differentiated, more... Um, tailored to student needs, keeping culturally responsive teaching in mind. And at the elementary school level, a principal can pay for responsive teaching programs. Responsive teaching was a teacher-generated program that started in, um, in Massachusetts and has spread throughout the country. Now, teachers can engage in restorative practices without being involved in this particular program. Restorative classroom teaching can happen in many ways. So restorative circles are a topic onto themselves, but the restorative circle is where all of the action happens in terms of the heart of restorative practices is in the restorative circle. And the restorative circle is for building positive dynamics in a group. 
I'm a facilitator, a restorative justice facilitator, and we work with, um, we work in prisons. We work with inmates in prisons who um, are learning to resolve conflicts and to build um, better relationships in a, with nonviolent communication and nonviolent approaches to relationships and um, team building. Um, in the classroom, that's translated in a different manner because in the classroom you have this, a limited amount of time. So a restorative circle or, um, program would have to be part of the school's mission or the teacher's mission. And a high at the high school level, it would have to be intentionally, or the intermediate school level, it would have to be intentionally built into the school program because high school teachers have a lot of content to teach and they um, may not have the time to do a full restorative justice program. However, the check-in and the idea, the intention behind restorative classroom management is extremely helpful. A restorative approach to discipline is also extremely helpful because before a student, before behavior escalates or becomes uh, really disruptive, abhor aberrant behaviors, it is important to build relationships with students and also to give them coping skills and strategies to handle those behaviors. And handling it in a restorative manner, in a restorative conversation with a student is a lot more helpful than reprimanding a student or coming down upon a student. This is not easy and it takes a lot of practice. So um, there's a lot of work involved with this, but just the definition of it is approaching students in a different manner. And maybe speaking to them privately, but speaking to them in a in a way that they can come to their own conclusions and become more accountable for their behaviors. This is easiest on a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, restorative conferences can also occur between two or more students when there's a conflict, but I can get into that a little later. A restorative conversation to me, it's easy to make this change just as a teacher looking at discipline in a flip-flop different way. So I'll give you, I'll share my personal experiences. When I was a dean of discipline, when a student was pulled in from the hall, if they were doing something wrong, like cutting a class, or if they were engaging in back talk with a teacher, um, I would bring them into the office. And typically, the ladder of discipline is that it would be a verbal reprimand. And sometimes, you know, back when I was a dean, it was you know, most, most deans were tough on students, and I was tough as well. It was the age of zero tolerance. And instead of taking that approach, uh, the restorative approach might want to be to find out what the student, what the reason and the purpose and the value of what happened, why the student engaged in the behavior. So ask the student a good question, listen, wait for a response, and then ask another probing question. So this is a different, um, a different approach. And finally, ask the student to come to a solution. So um, people who are opposed to this method think, well, that's not helpful. That's soft discipline. And I personally used to be a, a person who disciplined the student in the opposite way. I would come down hard on the student, make them understand what they did wrong, 
tell them what the consequences were, and that only solved the problem in the moment. Getting the student to come to their own conclusion helps them to think about what they did. Again, they still may do it again, but they get the chance to think about why they engaged in the behavior and maybe what they could have done differently. This is really important for critical thinking. We also want the student to build better habits. So restorative discipline starts to build better habits. This takes time and it takes effort and it means that, like anything else, you have to be pretty consistent with it. And other teachers have to be on board. Most counselors are on board with this approach. Counselors use this approach most of the time. And teachers are beginning to use this approach. This is becoming popular, but it's taking a long time because a lot of people in the opposite vein feel that it doesn't work. It's, it, it, they feel that it's too soft on students. And I personally think this is a good path to discipline. It's a good path to get students started on the way to thinking about changing their behavior. Now, when a student engages in persistent behaviors, again, you might have to consider a different intervention. Some students respond better to different interventions. No one way is perfect. Some students respond to getting rewards and consequences, and that's the way it has to be. They need that applied behavioral analysis. That's the way it has to be. They need those external rewards. Hopefully you move on to taking away those external rewards. But restorative discipline, restorative classroom management is thinking about a different approach to classroom management. So what about those restorative circles? Restorative circles are fantastic. There are so many things you can do with restorative circles. The purpose of restorative circles is not only to build relationships, but it is to build classroom community. So within the restorative circle, you want to think about what community means. It means if you're in this classroom for an entire year, how do you want to treat one another? What do you think the norms and agreements should be? This is way different from rules. Rules are imposed top down teacher to student, district to teacher, okay? Norms and agreements are how do we want to feel with one another? How would you like to be treated? What values do we have in the classroom? Why is it important to have a healthy relationship with one another? How can we improve the way we treat one another? And it also means paying attention to those some of those skills that the students may need work on. For example, students may not be able to communicate well with one another, not because they intentionally set out to do that, because maybe they have these habits ingrained in them. Maybe they haven't learned a better way to communicate with one another when they feel angry or agitated or when they're impatient. So those things can be taught through fun experiences in a restorative circle or through a different approach through team building. Does this take some training? Absolutely. There are many wonderful, wonderful programs out there. And hopefully your school will buy into those programs. If the school doesn't buy into those programs, you can try some of those ideas yourself. 
There are great theorists out there, such as Belinda Hopkins, Nancy Riestenberg, Kay Pranis, um, uh, <clears throat> Howard Zier. They're all interested in building community. When we build community in the classroom, it is a different, a whole different approach than just coming down upon the students. The students get to be more accountable for their behavior. They get to think about their behavior and they get to change their behavior. It's not all about teacher dominating. The teachers also, the teacher's role changes as well. The teacher becomes more of a facilitative teacher, less of a, a teacher-centered um, approach to learning. Uh, the teacher gets to facilitate relationships and teach students how to build healthier relationships with one another. Part of this, um, this skill is also the teacher looking at their own teacher behaviors and making sure that their behaviors are responsive and not um, coercive and make, watching their tone and watching their approach to students and how they tr treat one another. When there are multiple adults in, in the classroom, there has to be also agreement among adults. So if you're going to take a restorative approach to classroom management, you might as well meet with, with your uh, classroom team and decide how you're going to work this. Um, let's say you don't even do classroom circles. You don't have time for them, but you want to sit down and you want to meet with your team and decide how you're going to work it so that students can restore their relationships with one another when they make a mistake, how they can make amends for their mistakes, how they can think carefully about their behavior. And to do this, the adults have to be in agreement with one another. So it's good to have team meetings, either during lunch or during, during your prep or whenever it works for you to sit down and make agreements. So first, the head teacher, the lead teacher, the homeroom teacher, or whatever your acronym for, the teacher in charge is, has to um, build team spirit and build collaborative spirit. And if there are two co-teachers in the room, you have to kind of agree upon a discipline approach and plan and how you're going to handle things. And, and I say that first, there's a lot of team building and there's a getting to know one another and to affirm one another and make sure everybody's on board with one another. And I... Um, it took me um, three, four years to get um, information on and research. There's so much great research on how to um, how to do simple things that build um, team spirit within your classroom team. How to affirm one another, and this can be done very simply and very quickly with your team. And you can practice this in your classroom when students learn to affirm themselves and affirm one another and talk about the positive things that they do and be able to talk about things when they don't go well in the classroom. So with that, I'd like to say that I am a resource and you can contact me for more resources and um, that all of, um, I also highly recommend Jennifer Gonzalez's um, podcast on restorative practices. And I, um, can recommend many more books on restorative practices, but that's a good beginning. Uh, and um, uh, Carolyn Boyce Watson has a great book on uh, a great handbook on um, 
restorative circles and restorative management. So with that, I thank you for listening. And my name is Professor Klein, signing off.